we've got the Bible. We've got the Word of God. It is powerful. Now, how do people deal with the Bible? How do people, what do they do? Well, some people, first of all, they take away from the Bible. And they say things like, well, there wasn't any crossing Red Sea, and the world wasn't created in six days. There wasn't a Jonah and that kind of thing. And, and I mean, when you look at it, maybe Jesus was this, or, or you know, this wasn't true. And, and so they take away from the Bible. There are a lot of people who look at the Bible, and they say, well, that's not true. And then, then we have people who add to the Bible. And what we mean by that is we have groups like Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and those kind of people who have their own writings. And they say, well, the, the Bible's okay. Like Mormons would say the Bible's okay as long as it's a King James Bible and properly interpreted. And then they have the writings of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, and they all go with it. And Mary Baker Eddy and her writing, and the people with Jehovah Witnesses, the, you know, uh, the Watchtower. All of those are additions to the Bible that are the same as the Bible. And so you got to be real careful. So some people take away from the Bible. Some people just add to the Bible. Some of us take the Bible as God's Word. It is perfect and true. It is exactly what it says. When it says that salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life, we believe that. When it talks about that Jesus is going to come into class, we believe that. When we talk that there's a seven-year tribulation or a thousand-year kingdom or a new heavens and a new earth, we believe the Bible. We hold to the Scripture. Well, we're going to see this morning <clears throat> that a man is actually coming to Elisha to kill him, sent by the king. And Elisha stops him and gives him a prophecy of the future. And the guy doesn't believe it. And we're going to see that this man doesn't believe Elisha, and he says Elisha's prophecy is not true. And the man rejects the word of God, the word of the Lord. Now, be careful, because we'd say, I'd never do that. And yet, there's some people who would say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if that really happened. Well, I mean, I think the Bible has good stories, but whether they're actual or not, I mean, well, did David actually kill Goliath? Was Goliath nine feet, nine inches tall? And did David really kill him with a sling? I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe it's just a story to show, you know, how to do this or how to do that. No, we take the Bible as completely true. This man rejects the word of the Lord. So let's go to uh, ch chapter 6, 2 Kings chapter 6, start at verse 24, and let's look and see who is there, okay? Now, it came about after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, gathered all his army and went and besieged Samaria. Now, remember, Samaria is the capital of the northern empire, the capital of Israel. So they're coming to fight. And notice this. There was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it in a donkey's head, which a donkey's head is worth nothing because there's no meat on it. And yet it was worth, as it says there, it says the donkey's head was, four, uh, was, was eight shekels of silver and a fourth of something, and, and he just starts naming all this stuff out. And what he's basically saying, it'd be like saying, and a loaf of bread was $15. And, 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 and a bar of soap was like 18, you know, and so we're saying, gosh, everything was just, it was a famine, and it was just, everything was costing so much that there's a famine in the land. Now, I'm not going to read the verses, but I'm going to tell you something that happened. They got, well, I might as well just tell you, two women, they were starving to death, and so they made a deal that one, they both had babies, and one would kill the baby, and they would eat the one baby, and then the next day, they'd kill the other baby, and they'd eat that baby. That's what they said to do. Well, and so one lady did kill her baby, and they ate, and then the next lady said, I, I changed my mind. Well, they, well, they went to the king, and the king said, this is terrible, and we've got this famine, and who does he blame the famine on? The king blames the famine on Elisha, because you remember, what did Elijah do? 
Elijah brought the drought and a famine years ago. And so he probably says, well, he's just like Elijah. So the king of Israel blames the prophet Elisha for the famine and all the bad things that are happening. So he decides, what should we do? Let's kill him. Let's kill Elisha. This is the king of Israel. And so notice verse 31. Then he said, may God do so to me. This is the king talking. And more also, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. He said, what we're going to do is we're going to go cut off the head of Elisha. Now, we've been studying this for a while. Now, there's at least our 10th lesson just on the life of Elisha. And what, what do we realize is you don't really want to make fun or try to hurt a prophet of God, right? What happened to those boys, those, that gang of guys that made fun of him? I mean, you know, a bear came out, mama bear came out, a couple of them and took care of that. And if you're the king, uh, you, you got to be really careful when you decide that you're going to go after the prophet of God. I mean, you, this is talking about the one who proclaims the word of God. So he's upset, and so he, he says, here's what I'm going to do. Now watch. So they're going to send a messenger, and the messenger's really like a hard, he's the hard gun. He's going to go kill Elisha. That's his plan. Now watch. Remember, Elisha knows everything because he's the prophet of God. So notice. Now Elisha, verse 32, was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him. And the king sent a man from his presence. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, this is Elisha, do you see how the son of a murderer has sent to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door. Hold the door against him. Is it not the sound of his master's feet behind him? Now, what he actually says, he's eating with the elders, and he basically says, don't let the messenger come in the house. Now, he already knows the guy's coming to kill him, and he says to his, to his elders, to his older, he says, listen to this, the guy's coming, stop the door, don't let him come in. When he tries to get in, don't let him in, because he's coming to kill me because he's a murderer. He's the son of a murderer. The son of a murderer is the king. And he says, is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? This was sent by the king himself to kill me. So he tells his men, basically, it says, don't let the guy in. Don't let the guy in. Don't let him in the door. Well, the messenger arrives. While he was still talking with him, behold, the messenger came down to him, and he said, here's what the messenger said, behold, this evil is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? He's saying this, you're evil, Elisha. You're causing all this stuff, and the king has sent me to kill you. So why should I wait any longer? So, wow. So, man, it, things aren't looking good. If you're, if you're Elisha, you go, what, what do I do? How, how long do I have to stay in this house? How long is that guy going to be out there? How long will... And see, why is everybody so upset? Because it's a what? What's happened? It's a famine. And people are eating their children. And people are dying. But it's not Elisha's fault. It's because the king of Aram has been besieging the city. And the city's in trouble. So watch what happens. Then Elisha said, he's going to talk to the guy. Listen to the word of the Lord. Now, that's powerful. Whenever you see in the Scripture the word of the Lord, think about that. Thus says the Lord, and by the way, it's capital L-O-R-D, all capitals, which is the personal name of God, Y-H-W-H. He says, tomorrow, now tomorrow, about this time, a measure of flour we sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Now, he says, instead of the bread costing $18 a loaf, it's going to cost a dollar a loaf tomorrow. And instead of something else costing $22, it's going to cost $6. In other words, everything's going to go back to normal prices. And they would, you'd say, How? it's a famine. Where's all this going to come from? 
Where are we going to get food that uh, flour will cost that little? Where's all this going to come from? And he says, just remember this. Tomorrow, this is the message of the message. He told the man, this is the message of the Lord. And by the way, let me just stop for a second. What do we do? with the message of the Lord. What do we do with the word of God? You know, it's amazing. We always talk about the Bible, but you think about when these people lived, they didn't have what we have. They didn't have what we have. I mean, they had at least the first five books and maybe some other things. And who knows where they had First and Second Samuel at. They might, where they had the book of Judges at that point, we're not sure. Now, we have the whole thing. Now, that's good and bad. It's good in the sense that we've got the entire word of God is bad, that we're responsible for all of this, Right? Well, think about it. What is the word of the Lord? What are we supposed to do with it? We can't say, uh, as some have said, we don't really need the Old Testament. You know, there's some famous pastors now saying that we need to distance, just, just break away from the Old Testament. We don't really need it. Yes, we do. How, could we, how do we know anything about Jesus? If you don't have the Old Testament and you just look at the life of Jesus, how do you know Jesus is the Messiah? Because he's born in Bethlehem, as the Old Testament said. Because he's born of a virgin, as the Old Testament said. You can't dismiss and reject the Word of God. You can't reject it. It doesn't matter whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. The Word of God is alive and powerful and sharpening to it his sword, piercing for us the vision of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It is exactly what we need. And so he's saying, here's the Word of the Lord. And by this time tomorrow, just remember, by this time tomorrow, it, it, the, the, uh, if everything's going to go back to regular prices. Now, you're the messenger. You've come to kill him. <clears throat> and you hear him say, by tomorrow, now we're right in the middle of the famine, by tomorrow everything's going back to regular prices. We'll have, more, we'll have enough that you won't even have to worry about it. Look what he says. The royal officer on whose hand the king was, was leaning answered the man of God and said, behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, could this thing be He's basically saying, listen, if even God opened up the heavens, he cannot get us that kind of food. He's saying there's no way, there's no way God could open the heavens and end this famine by tomorrow. Now, is he believing the word of the Lord or is he not believing the word of the Lord? Let me ask you a question. Is it possible that God would save someone, not by their works, but simply by faith alone in Christ alone? I mean, it's not, it, do you just believe and you have eternal life? Can it really be that easy? No, it can't. there's got to be more to it, see? And this guy says, no, 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 it can't, it can't be that way. It, God can't do that. What is impossible with men is possible with God. And so here's what he says to this guy. Now, this is wild. The royal officer in whose hand the king was leaning the answer said, behold, if the Lord should open, make the windows in heaven open, could this thing be? Then he said, Elisha says, behold, you will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat of it. Now, he says, you'll get to see this. You'll see the famine end and there'll be all that food, but you won't get to eat any of it. What does that mean? He's going to die. Yeah, he said, you're not going to make it. And the guy went, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? What do you mean I won't make it? What do you mean I'm going to see it and I'm not going to make it? What are you talking about? Well, the story changes. We've got the background. Elisha has says, by this time tomorrow, the famine will be over with. And this guy says, no, it won't. He says, you won't ever, you won't, you'll see it, but you won't eat it. Now we meet some people. And I, I made a mistake on your handout. I, put, I think I put uh, two, did I put two lepers? It's, it's four. 
We meet four lepers. Look, look at verse, I don't know how I typed that or how I got that wrong. Uh, every now and then I, I will make a mistake. It's rare, but every now and then I'll make a mistake. It says, now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why do we sit here till we die? Why do we do this? We're all dying, right? And lepers, as you know, had to stay outside. They, they couldn't really get to go be with people. And if they were around anybody, they had to stay unclean and they had to be far distance away because nobody wanted to get leprosy. And so there's four of these guys and the famine's going on and they're sitting outside the entrance of the gate and they basically are saying, uh, should we just sit here and die like everybody else? And then verse 4 goes on to say, if we say we'll enter the city, well, when, when the famine is in the city, we'll die there. And if we sit here, we'll die also. Let's do this. Now, therefore, come, let us go over to the camp of the Arameans. If they spare us, we'll live. <laughs> they might. If they kill us, we'll die. But we're going to die anyway. So let's do this. Let's, let's sneak over and just go to the enemy and say, we're starving in there and we've come to you and either you kill us or you let us live. And if you let us live, we get to eat and we make it. If you kill us, you get to kill us. But if we'd have stayed over there, we'd die anyway. So it doesn't matter. We're going to take a chance. We're going to take a chance. Watch what God does. They arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Arameans. When they came to the outskirts of the camp of the Arameans, behold, there was no one there. Now, what have the Arameans been doing? They've surrounded uh, the city. They've been fighting. They've not let any food go in. The people in Samaria are starving to death and so this, because this army is out there. And these four guys go to the camp, and when they get there, what? They go in and they go, where, where is everybody? Where is the army that's been attacking us? What is going on here? And so it goes on to say, for the Lord, notice, the Lord had caused the army of the Arameans to hear a sound of chariots and a sound of horses, even the sound of a great army. So they said to one another, behold, the king of Israel has hired against us, the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. Therefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents, their horses, their donkeys, even the camp, just as it was, and they fled for their lives. What did they do? It said that God made, the Lord made a sound that was like a great army was coming and scared them all off. The Arameans all got afraid and ran off and left everything behind. So the Lord, they, they were there and they said, oh, I hear an army, I hear chariots, I hear, oh no, they've hired a bunch of people to come against us. We got to get out of here. And they just ran off. So, what's gonna, so now that's why nobody's in the camp. So look what happens. When the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they entered one tent and they ate and drank, and they went, hmm, here's some food, yeah. And they carried from there some silver and some gold and some clothes, and they went and hit them. They said, this is star stuff. And they hit them, and they thought, what else? And then they returned, and they got some more stuff, and here they are. They're going, wow, we are at the biggest banquet that we've had in a long time, and we're stealing all kinds of stuff. We're getting all their stuff. This is fantastic, because this army ran off and left all their stuff, and there's food, and there's clothes, and there's gold, and there's silver, and there's everything, and this is fantastic. Then they thought. Then they said to one another, verse 9, you know, we're not doing right. No, this is not right. I mean, this is a day of good news, but we're keeping silent. If we wait till the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and let's tell the king's household. They said, look, this isn't really right. I mean, this is not right. We need to tell everybody else. We need to tell everybody else that there's food out here. We need to tell everybody that there's clothes and food and everything because we've been locked up in this city for all this time and the army's gone and we're just eating up a storm and having a great time, but it's not really right. And then they said, listen, if we don't tell 
eventually they're going to find out that we knew. And you know what they'll do to us? When they find out that we knew about all this and we didn't tell them, they'll kill us. So we, better, we might as well go tell them. We might as well tell them it's the right thing to do. So we need to tell others the good news. Well, let me ask you a question. Do we have good news? We have the greatest good news of all, don't we? The good news of salvation, that Jesus died and rose again, and whoever believes in him will never perish but have what? Everlasting life. And it's not works. It's not what you do. It's faith alone in Christ alone for eternal life. We got the greatest message of all. We're not selling anybody anything. We're giving them the great gift of eternal life. And we don't tell people. And the statistics show that about 75 to 78% of the people who are Christians never share their faith in their whole lives. It seems strange, doesn't it? Think about your life. Don't say anything, but think about your life. When was the last time you told someone how they could have eternal life? And I know we say things like, yeah, but my neighbor, I don't know my neighbor, but if I, if I get into this and he doesn't agree with me, then he won't like me and I've, I've messed up my neighbor. I mean, you know, and so I don't want to take a chance. We'd rather him go to hell than be your, being real friendly or something. Who knows? I mean, think about what we're saying. We have the greatest good news message of all time. The good news message of Jesus Christ is called the gospel. And we need to be telling people. And we need to realize that this is not right. We know the way, the truth, and the life. We know that the only way to come to the Father is through Jesus Christ. We need to tell other people. We need to look at it as good news. Well, they said, we, we better go, at the end of verse 9, and we, we better go and let's go tell the king's household. So they came to the gatekeepers of the city. Remember, they're not going to go in. And they told him, saying, we went, came to the camp of the Arameans, and behold, there was no one there, nor the voice of any man, only horses tied and donkeys and tents just as they were. They basically said, we got there and it was good. They came to the gatekeeper of the city and they said, we went out to the camp. There's nobody there and there's all kind of horses, there's donkeys, there's food, there's everything. Well, the gatekeepers called and told it within the king's household. And when the king arose in the night and the king gets up and said to the servants, I will now tell you what the Arameans have done. They said, the king, guess what? They went out there, there's nobody there, there's food there, there's everything there. Well, the king said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'll tell you what the Arameans have done. They know that we're hungry. Therefore, they've gone from the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we'll capture them alive, and then we'll get into the city. They said, we, I think it's a trick. I think it's a trick. Uh, they, they, they're actually hiding, and they're waiting for us to go out there to try to get food, and, and I think it's a trap. I think it's a trap. One of the servants said, oh, please, let some men take like five horses which remain, and, uh, that are left in the city. And, and behold, they, they, they will be in any case all the multitude of Israel who are left. And, and they, could, they can be in any case all that because and, and, we're going to die anyway. So let's send them and see. So they took two chariots with horses, and the king sent after the army of the Arameans, saying, okay, go and see. So the king said, can we send somebody out there and check it out to see if it's really true? Let us figure it out. So the king says, well... What do we got to lose? I mean, they're going to kill us anyway. One way or the other, we're starving to death. They're either going to come in the city and eventually kill us all, or if we get out there, they're going to kill us all. Who knows? Maybe we get something to eat before they kill us. Who knows? So they took, verse 14, they took two chairs with horses, and the king sent after the army there, men saying, go and see. They went after them to the Jordan, and behold, all the way was full of clothes and equipment, which the men had thrown down in their eyes. And when the message returned, they told the king, they said, it's exactly what they said. Exactly what they said. It was it. And so the people went out and they plundered the camp 
of the Arameans that a measure of fine flour was sold for how much? A shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. They went out. The people were told what happened. They went out and they rushed and they, they got the thing and they plundered the camp. And notice exactly what Elisha had said, that a measure of flour would be a shekel and two measures of barley would be a shekel. The prices will be back down. In fact, everything's going to be cheap tomorrow. You remember what he told that messenger? He said, by this time tomorrow, instead of everything costing $18, it's going to cost a dollar. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go back to the regular price. The word of the Lord is true. The Bible is true. When God says it, it's always true. You can believe the Bible. You can hold to the Bible. You can see what it says. Now, what about that royal official? What about that guy? What did he say to him? He said, you will see it. You will not eat it. So watch what happens. Verse 16. So the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans. And when the measure of the flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord, now the king appointed the royal official, this is the guy, on whose hand he had leaned to the charge of the gate, but the people trampled him at the gate, and he died, just as the man of God said, who spoke when the king came down. The guy that was told, you'll see it, but you won't eat it. He said, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. It ain't going to happen. It did happen. When he opened the gate to let people out, they ran over him and killed him. They all trampled him to death. He was in charge of the gate. He opened it for the people to go to the camp, and they trampled him to death, and he died. Did he see it? Did he eat it? No. Look what, look what the verse goes on to say. It just happened. It happened just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, two measures of barley for a shekel and a measure of fine flour for a shekel be sold tomorrow at this time in Samaria. And then the royal official answered the man of God, said, now behold, if the Lord would make the windows in heaven, could there be such a thing? And he said, behold, you'll see it with your own eyes, but you'll not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled on him at the gate, and he died. He said, I don't believe it. Well, he was trampled. He died. He saw it. He didn't need it. Is that sad? Is this sad? I mean, it kind of breaks my heart. But the truth is, the word of God is always true. Listen, be careful when you say, I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe that's right. I don't believe that. You know, I always amaze that people come up and say, well, there's a lot of contradictions. I say, show me one. They don't know any. They've just heard they are. And they'll say, there's contradictions. I show me one. And they go, well, I know they're in here somewhere. I say, well, so you don't believe the Bible? Do you believe the Bible? I not believe the Bible. It is amazing to me that the scholars, these scholars, just remember when somebody starts calling themselves a scholar, beware, because scholar means I don't believe the Bible anymore because I know so much now. The Bible is perfect. Let me give you an application so we can go to our classes. Let, let us trust God to meet our needs. He will. He will one way or the other. Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He ended the famine by running off the Arameans. Think about that. He ended the famine by making the army run off and be afraid and leave everything behind. They didn't even take their stuff. Can you see they get to some place and they all stop and they go, where's our, we left everything. Where's my, I don't even have a sword. I don't have my, I don't have my donkey. I don't have anything. They ran off. God provides. We got to trust him in the time of life because uh, we have to trust him. Even there, even the, the lepers you know, you remember what they said? Well, this is not right. This is not right. So let's trust God. Let's believe the word of God. Let's do it. As that guy said, it can't happen. God can't even open the heavens like that. Yeah, he can. He can do anything he wants to. 
as long as it's not opposed to his character. You know, we're going to, the kids, we're going to camp tomorrow, and we're teaching them the attributes of God. And one of the attributes of God is he's all-powerful, and I'm going to teach that. But I'm going to raise this question to the kids. Can God do anything? And the answer is no, because he can't lie, and he can't sin. He can't go against his character. And when he makes a promise, it is always true, and that's why we can always go back to the Bible. We believe the word of God. It is alive and powerful. It's always true. The third one is this. Let's proclaim the good news of salvation. We got a message. Uh, Like these guys, they had this message. Hey, there's food and everything out there. Let's go tell everybody. We have the greatest message of all. We tell people how they can have eternal life and they will never perish. They'll never be separated from God. We tell them faith alone, Christ alone. May we be excited about sharing the message.